Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's my privilege to come before you with the word today. So let's start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Lord. For this day, Father, we thank you because you reign above every situation. And today, as we are, uh, we are going to come together to hear your word. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will, uh, you will touch hearts, either here or even in their homes, Lord. And you will set people free of uh, wrong ideas or mindsets, Lord. And I pray that what I speak will be pleasing to you. Thank you, Lord. I just commit this word into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week uh, we heard the word, the truth has set you free. And that is such a, uh, one of my favorite verses because truly the truth sets us free. But many times uh, we think we're walking in truth, but there may be areas of deception. And uh, it's easy to understand, you know, an, an outright lie is very obvious but a subtle deception, really, many times we don't even realize it. You know, when we came here in the morning, it was raining heavily. And uh, even uh, there's the water going through a pipe between uh, this, the side hall and uh, the toilets. And the, the pipe overflowed and all the water was falling on the, on the place, so you couldn't get to the toilet instead of going through the pipe to the end. And I was looking what happened, and I just saw that it was full of leaves. This thinking the same way, the truth tries to come through and come and it's supposed to go to the end. But instead, because of some deceptions, sometimes that truth is not able to set us free. So that's why today the Lord gave me this word to share amongst you all that we shouldn't be deceived. John F. Kennedy says, the great enemy of truth is very often not the lie, deliberate, contrived and dishonest, but the myth persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. It's so true. Actually, this verse, you know, in John chapter 8, verse 31, where it says how uh, the truth will, Jesus says that if you hear my word, and if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is speaking to some Jewish believers, and uh, they were believers. They may not have been disciples, and uh, they suddenly say, we are the descendants of Abraham. We are free. How can you say that we are in bondage? And Jesus says to them, if you have committed sin, you are a slave to sin, and you are no longer free. And for that, the Son of Man has come to set you free. And they were annoyed. They were offended. And they, they said that he was demon-possessed, to the point that in the end of that paragraph, they say, it says that they tried to stone him. So even though Jesus had come with the truth, they were deceived, so they couldn't accept it. Um, in Mark chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, Jesus is talking about the end times. And Jesus says, he, Jesus answered them and began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. And so if the Lord has to give us that warning, these are those end, those times, those end times we're entering and we really need to take heed. Let's look at the first instance of deception in the Bible. 
all of you will know it's in Genesis where um, Adam and Eve were allowed to eat all the, the fruit of all the trees except the tree in the middle of the garden. And, uh, but in this chapter 3, the serpent comes, uh, Satan comes as a serpent to, to Eve and kind of asks her, what, uh, what did God say to you? And she says, we can eat all the, uh, of all the trees except the one in the middle. We can't even touch it and because we'll die. And what does Satan reply in Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5? It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So actually, that was a half-truth. She, you will not surely die. She, actually, even though there was no physical death, there was a spiritual death that happened when Eve sinned. There was a separation from God. And uh, not only that, say the, uh, Satan said, Your eye, you will be like God. Actually, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were already like God. They couldn't have been closer to God. And so that is another deception in, in what uh, Satan said. And Eve succumbs. We know that. Because she saw, in verse 6 it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. So three things she saw. It looks good. It's good for my eyes. It looks very beautiful. And it will make me wise. So it, it's like the, all, all three areas, you know, oh, this is too good. I cannot resist it. And she took the, the fruit and gave it to Adam. And then we see how the Lord confronts Adam first, and he says, she did it. And then the Lord comes to Eve. And what does the Lord ask Eve? In verse 13 it says, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So she realized after that, that she had been deceived. And that word deceived is a Hebrew word, noshaw. And it means to beguile, to lead astray or to lend on interest. So we know that it means to deceive and beguile. But I was wondering at the word to lend on interest. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, these interest scams that you see going around. And I was just thinking about how sometime back, um, my, the, the lady who helps me, her son had started a shop, a small shop. And suddenly he needed some money. And he saw these SMS of, of interest, uh, free loan, I mean interest short, small interest, loans and something like that. And immediately he took some money from one or two loans, small amounts. And uh, shortly afterwards they're pounding messages coming in saying that, oh, you have to pay with so much interest. And he started, he got very panicky. He took money from another loan and started trying to close it to the point where he couldn't keep quiet. He had to tell his mother. And then suddenly she got upset and they got borrowed some money and paid it. But even after that, she, they got messages. And so this, she came to me and she was so upset. She said, Madam, my son did a mistake. He, got, he was uh, cheated and look what has happened. And uh, she asked me for money. And so my immediate reaction was thinking, if I give her money, even that will go. It's not going to help her. So I told her, actually, money is not the solution. You need to solve the problem. You've already given more than you took. So we have to deal with this. So I uh, asked her to go to the cyber police uh, in the city. And actually, they just gave a letter and everything was settled. So we're seeing that how we can fall into deception and how this word, lending on interest. Satan was lending on interest. 
Eve thought, I'm getting something out of this deal. But there was so much interest attached to it. Many times in deception, that's what happens. There's so much attached to that deception and we lose so much. Yeah, so let's look into the New Testament about deception. If you look at the book of Galatians, it was written by Paul after a, uh, Galatians was set in a number of churches in South Galatia, which was uh, established by Paul in the first missionary journey. And they started off really well. But in the course of some time, a group of people, Judaizers, that those are people who uh, decide that they're Christians, but they take up, they, they, decide, they decided to follow the Jewish customs. So they came and said that all of you should follow the customs like circumcision, uh, eating just uh, kosher food, and, and many of the laws. And they brought it into the church. And when Paul heard about it, he was really, uh, he was annoyed. And he writes the letter to the Galatians. The whole theme of Galatians is to show them, reveal to them that they have been deceived. And usually in his letters, he'll write, uh, you know, I uh, appreciate you. He encourages them. He's, I'm so uh, happy to know that you're doing well. But in this letter, there's nothing like that. It goes straight to the point. And in verse um, 6 and 7, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So actually, uh, it's a different gospel. It's not even a gospel. He's saying that what you're being taught is not a gospel, and you've perverted the gospel. I marvel, because you, actually, you heard the message, and now, look, you've turned away. And, in, uh, and he, he, he explains to them how they were deceived. In, verse, uh, in uh, chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So very clearly, he, he's bringing in the truth. You were saved by faith and not by works. And that doesn't change. So he clearly tells them the truth. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he goes on to say, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So they had heard the gospel in such a way that they knew that Jesus had died for them. You had seen that. But who has bewitched you? I love that word. It's, I mean, I'm thinking, Paul, why did he use such a strong word? And bewitched, actually, it comes from a word uh, in Greek that is beskaino. And it means to cast a spell on. So it's such a strong word. Someone has cast a spell on you. It looks like that. So actually, uh, in those days, they thought that, uh, that snakes, it's like uh, when a snake tries tries to hypnotize the prey. They, th they used to think earlier that the snake hypnotizes the prey, but actually that's not a truth. That's a myth. Uh, it's just out of fear that the prey, that the, the prey just freezes. So, but they, uh, that this word comes from that, that you've been hypnotized like how a snake looks at you, and because of that, you've gone off track. So you should have focused on Jesus instead of on the eyes of the snake, of the enemy. So uh, that's why he used such a term, 
who bewitched you, but you, you saw Jesus Christ crucified. Um, and then he goes on to say in chapter 3, verses 26 to 28, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many uh, as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. In Christ Jesus, you can be you. By faith, we are saved. We don't have to try to be anything else. You just have to believe and accept what he has done. So I was just thinking, are we being deceived? And the funny thing is, when you're deceived, you don't even realize it. No? That is the, the matter of, you won't even realize it. You kind of tend to believe something, some doctrine or something, and you think it's the truth. So how does anyone set you free? But the Lord is saying that you don't, should not be, you should guard yourself from being deceived. So to understand that, it's easy to be deceived and think that you're right. Yeah? And uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So itching ears is people usually like to hear good things, comfortable things. You like everyone to compliment you, to say this is good. But it, no, it's, the Lord is saying, no, you have to hear the truth and change accordingly. You know, as time goes by, a lot of, a lot of us, we change the truth, we mix up the world. We have to please the world and the church. So we can mix both and, and you can really create a gospel which is not what Jesus wanted. So we, we have to be careful about that and we can go into uh, deception. So what are the common areas where we can get deceived? So I was thinking, what are the common areas? And I found eight areas. There may be more. You can add on to the list, okay? But today I'm going to share eight areas where we commonly are deceived. The first one is deceived about our identity, about who we are. And we saw in the Garden of Eden how Eve was told that, okay, you, you'll become like God. But she didn't realize she was a son of God. Even now, I'm just telling you, everyone here and all those who are watching, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are a child of God. Let no one say otherwise. Uh, I remember the first few years when I walked with the Lord. Uh, I, I didn't understand that truth. Uh, so I, I still always think that actually will... Am I really anything important in God's eyes? But when I started reading the word and understood, and when I started understanding that I am a child of God, everything changed. That deception changed completely. Because you know what it means to be a child of the home. You have that authority. You can put your legs up on the sofa. No? You, are, you can do what you want in your, within the, you know, the norms. But that, that is a privilege, that freedom that God has given us as children of God. Yeah? So first of all, we get deceived about our identity. The second thing is we're often deceived about the nature of God, how good he is. So I used to think, uh, yeah, I have a problem. I know God is able to do it, but will he do it for me? No, that was my sense. So even when I pray, something in my heart says, no, he may not do it for me. 
But as I read the word and understood his nature, that he is a good God, that if he could give his son for me, what he's not withheld anything from me, he is a good God. He is a good God. And uh, I'm thinking as a parent, we know that when our children, when they suffer a little bit also, our heart breaks. But how God the Father could give his son for you and me, he will know he's a good God. Don't let anyone say otherwise. Because people bring theories. Oh, there's so much evil in the world. Uh, so is God good. But it's a fallen world. And Satan is having a good time here. But truly, our God is good. Even if you read the Old Testament, uh, you see that every time Israel just went away or did the wrong thing, and they came back, God forgave them. And God just took them in. So he is a good God. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You need to read the word and reinforce that truth. And the third thing is we can be deceived by false teachings and false prophets. Matthew chapter 7 verses 14 and 16 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will be able to understand when you see, you know, from the way they speak, from their lifestyle, beware of those people. Uh, I think even as the prophecy is something that has probably blessed all of us, all of us should be, uh, take the prophecy and pray about it. Is this a word from God? Like I know there are times where I've read, I've received the right word, but there are times where the word has not been right. But I've taken it before the Lord and asked the Lord, is this from you? Uh, there are so many instances where people have made major decisions purely on prophecy. I've heard stories where people have sold their home because someone came and said, oh, this is evil or what that. But God always has given us the, the ability to ask him. Ask the Lord. If you have got a word, ask the Lord. Is this from you, Lord? Pray about it and the Lord will give you clarity. And take a decision only after you are sure about it. Even for when I came into ministry, uh, the first, I think one year before I came into ministry, I'm a doctor by profession, uh, and for the last five years I've been in ministry. So uh, one year before I came to ministry, I received a word about, okay, uh, it's, you should uh, go into ministry. But I prayed about it, and I knew that this is not the time. I didn't feel anything in me, and I just prayed about it. But then one year later, the Lord spoke to me. And then I decided to. And the Lord confirmed it through other people's words also. And I took that decision. So I was just thinking, sometimes prophecy may be right, but the timing may not be right. So you really have, God has given us that wisdom to pray about it and, you know, to live accordingly. Because it's our life. And you have to be, you're accountable to the Lord. And you have to ask Lord, Lord, if this word has come, what should I do with it? Is it now? Is it later? So it's only when, the, when I was clear about it that I took the step and I knew, okay, that was the time. But one advantage I had, because the word came earlier, one year I prepared myself. So the word has come like this. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to see at some time, if the Lord wants me to come into ministry, okay, I'll be ready. Lord, any time you tell me. So that, that was a real advantage for me that way. And test for false teachings. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 5 says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, 
useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain so the context here paul is written to timothy and just above that he's talking about how that you as uh, those who are born servants honor your masters if if whether they're a believer or unbeliever if they're a believer honor them as brothers if they're an unbeliever it's because god wants you to honor them and it's that context that he says if anyone teaches you otherwise beware so uh so how do you decide how wh- from this verse we can understand some aspects about false teachings the first thing is false doctrine often teaches rebellion and god does not you know approve of rebellion yeah uh false doctrine often teaches rebellion secondly uh it teaches a wrong view of christ not the, the not the gospel in its ways but a wrong view of christ thirdly it does not agree with godly teaching yeah so when testing teaching or doctrine we must ask does it lead to holiness does it teach correctly about christ does it agree with the rest of the scripture and does it teach submission to authorities or rebellion so the church in berea they were very wise even paul even though he's spoken in a number of churches when he shared the word there they used to check the word every day they'll check the scriptures is this right is this in accordance with the scriptures same way god has given us the word of god whatever teaching you receive check it with the word of god and now there are so many messages online on youtube and you can fill yourself with so many different types of words but you have the responsibility to check it you have the responsibility to guard yourself from false teachings yeah so that those are the three aspects the fourth is we can be lukewarm and uh, we can have an attitude that jesus will not return anytime now yeah um so but truly when we see the world the way the world is going nowadays it's like uh, so many unpredictable things so many evil things things that jesus had spoken about are happening now and i'd ask the lord i think we should pray teach us lord to number our days we don't know how long we have and that it's a deceive we we deceive ourselves to think that it's going to be a long time when jesus comes back we don't know the day but we need to be ready so in his letters to uh in the letter of uh, revelation uh, Paul, uh, uh jesus speaks to the church of laodicea now laodicea was a very rich church uh, they had uh, textile industries they had eye ointment and different types of industries a very rich rich place and the people in that church were really rich and so jesus admonishes them in uh, revelation 3 verses 15 to 18 i know your works that you are neither cold nor hot i could wish you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth yeah jesus is giving a strong word for them because they're lukewarm and then he says why because you say i am rich i am wealthy is i have need of nothing but you don't realize that you are actually wretched miserable poor blind and naked so that's a deception they were in and uh, then he's saying that the true riches what are the true riches i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich so what does that mean 
you, I want you to pass through some tests and trials where you will be refined like gold and that will be your true riches. But what you have now is not true riches. Don't deceive yourself. Yeah? And I want you to anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. So they're believers. They're in the church. They're very happy. But the Lord is saying you're deceived. Yeah? And also to the church in Sardis, Jesus says in Revelation 3, 3, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. So actually, believers should not be uh, surprised by Jesus coming. We We are supposed to be ready. But this church is not ready. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to come upon you like a thief. You're not ready. So that's a deception that we should not get into. We need to be ready every day. See, it's either the Lord coming or we don't know when the Lord is going to call us. So we need to be ready for every day, living our life for the Lord and not being deceived in that way. So that's the fourth deception. That is, we cannot be, we can be lukewarm. And the fifth is, we will not reap what we sow so we can live anyway. Yeah? Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Truly, what we sow, we will reap. So here the context is good works. You're doing good to others, you will reap good things. But the same is for bad, for bad deeds. Suppose you're, you're coming every Sunday, you're worshipping, you feel comfortable, but at home you go and you're, you're bitter against some of your friends or close relatives or you have unforgiveness or you can't forgive your spouse for some things. How does that go? What we sow, only we reap. And we can't deceive ourselves that way. Telling you to us, church, when the Lord sometimes tells me, oh, don't keep that unforgiveness. Your heart is not right, Kavita. Then I say, Lord, even if I preach so much and if I have unforgiveness, what am I before you? I tremble. So I'm, I'm just, I just ask anyone who's hearing today, if you're walking in bitterness or unforgiveness towards any, anyone, just tell the Lord. It may be sometimes they would have really hurt you, but because God has poured out His love and His forgiveness to us, we can forgive. Not because of anyone else. There's no other way. No, you can't tell an, an, a person who doesn't know Jesus to forgive. But we can ask them. We can forgive because He forgave us. So don't walk in bitterness or unforgiveness. Don't be deceived by that. And the sixth is deception that prayer has no power. If we really knew the power of prayer, our prayer meetings would have been full. As many people who sit on Sunday service would be there for our prayer meetings. But the thing is, many times we're deceived that, oh, prayer, we pray, because it comforts us, but does it really work? But I tell you, prayer is one of our most powerful weapons in this world. You may, your children may be far away, but if you sit here and you pray for them, there is a covering. I'm just telling you, for parents whose kids are going to college and far away, we can't guard them, protect them, as we did when they were younger. But when we pray, there is a covering. Yeah, Prayer is powerful. John Wesley said, It seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing 
for humanity unless someone asks him. So unless we pray, God will not respond. That is the way he's made it. And to think whether prayer is powerful or not, uh, there was a man of God called John Knox, and he lived in England. And when John Knox prayed, there were results. And seeing that, the Queen Mary said, Oh, I fear the prayers of John Knox, Knox more than the armies of Europe. I think most of you would have heard that. But his prayer life showed that prayer is powerful. Does our prayer life show that prayer is powerful? If not, start praying. Pray according to God's will in his name and you will see results. We will see results. So that, that sixth deception is that prayer has no power. And the seventh deception is that we don't need fellowship. Okay? In the 1980s, there was a survey poll uh, that, and it found out that 70% of Americans who go to church say that you can be a good Christian without going to church. I think after COVID, the percentage would have increased. Huh? Because... Yeah, church happened for two years without us coming together. But that is such a deception. Look at the early church. They were waiting for times. I think every day they would have gathered in some home and prayed. Are we going to wait for persecution to come to have fellowship? Now we have the freedom. Let's have, come together in prayer, in times of encouraging each other. So you think fellowship is the indispensable means of accomplishing the God-given purpose of the church. God's plan must be compared not to a solo, but to a symphony. It is, uh, you, you suppose a solo plays. However loud the solo is, it is not going to have the beauty of the symphony. Yeah, it can only be that loud. But a symphony has a beauty of its own. And the same way, only by a full orchestra playing together can the beautiful harmony be captured. And this is what the church is, God's orchestra. Yeah? So we need to fellowship. And the eighth deception is deception about the power of sin. I know that uh, for, uh, in the church also, there are people struggling with sin or addictions. But, and you probably feel that I was a believer and I'm, I'm not able to get out of this. But the Lord is saying, I am for you. I am with you. The Holy Spirit will enable you to break from the power of sin. Sin has no dominion over us anymore. And I just encourage anyone who is watching, if you are struggling with sin in any area, if you just ask the Lord to help you, and the Holy Spirit will empower you. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't think that you're not good enough. The Lord will empower you. So these are the eight deceptions. So I'll just, uh, and uh, you can add on. You can start asking the Lord, in which areas am I deceived? Yeah? Now, let's look at some signs that we are deceived. Uh, there will be areas in our life in which we are prone to deception. So how do we check? One thing is, check for pride in your heart. Galatians 6.3 says, For if anything, anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Pride, if you have pride in your heart, chances of us being deceived is very high. Satan was deceived because he was, became proud. Yeah? So check if there's any areas where we are acting proud. Probably our abilities. Give us some pride. Ask the Lord. Uh, bring it to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Check for sin in your life. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
if there's a point where you're very comfortable, oh Lord, I haven't committed any great sins, I'm okay. Truly, check yourself again. Because even it's even a thought, if suppose someone is uh, is being appreciated and you're not feeling so happy about it, that means there's a little bit of envy there. That itself is a sin. So be conscious of it and ask the Lord, okay, if I don't feel good about that compliment, that means there's some envy in my heart. Lord, remove it. So check your heart. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. We can't go with sin. But God has given us a way out. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And the Holy Spirit is there for us to live a victorious life. Uh, So check for sin. Thirdly, are you insensitive to the things of God? When you hear, you're reading the word, but there's nothing. You can't feel anything. That happens to everyone. But when you, it's continuous. When you're going through a period where how much ever you read, you still don't feel anything, ask the Holy Spirit, my heart is hard. Please touch me. Help me to understand the word or even a message. You keep you hear different. You think that the message is for someone else and not for yourself. Then there's something wrong. Start checking. There must be in every message, there may be a word or in a, the times of worship, something that the Lord is speaking to you. So are you insensitive to the Holy Spirit? Check, check. Are you walking? You are not walking in obedience. That's another sign. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So many times, you know, God has said something to us, but we haven't obeyed. And we ask, Lord, tell us something more. Tell us something more. Go back. What did the Lord tell you earlier to do? Obey that. And then go to the next step. So when we walk in disobedience, we are dece- deceiving ourselves. And fifth, you are not walking in love. First Corinthians 13.3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Don't be fooled. You know, everyone will say, Oh, such a generous person, such a nice person. But the Lord sees my, our heart. What did we do it out of? Was it out of a heart of love? Whatever you do for the Lord, He sees the heart. It is not the quantity. It is not, it's he, he sees your heart. Is your heart filled with love for others? Check that. And James 1 verse 26 says, If anyone among you, among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So when you don't walk in love, you just cut down people or say something that hurts them. But when we are in love, we're careful about our words, the way we speak to others. And the Lord is saying, don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. So these five signs, we need to check. Are you, is there any pride in your heart? Is there sin in your life? Are you insensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in disobedience? Are you, are, are you walking in love or not? Check. We need to check. So how do we guard ourselves from deception? That's a big question. First of all, we need to realize that anyone can be deceived. No one is above deception. Uh, in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, 
Paul says, even Peter was, Peter started, I mean, because the Judaizers came, he stopped eating with the Gentiles and he went and ate with the Jews. And he corrected Peter. And I was thinking, my God, Peter, but anyone can be deceived. And even Barnabas, the encourager, he also got sidetracked. So mighty men of God can be deceived. But I'm sure that they, when Paul corrected them, they, they heard it and they came in. They understood. That's why we have people to correct us when we go wrong. Yeah? So anyone can be deceived. Don't think we're above it. No one is above it. Second, decide to be a student of God's word all the days of your life. Now, preparing for this session, this word, it ministered to me so much. God, you've written so much about deception in your word. If you, I've just quoted so many verses and it speaks to itself. And I'm saying, Lord, your word, it just corrects us, keeps on bringing us back into track. Read the word. Keep on, don't let it be just a Sunday message. Every day, keep on reading. God will deposit things into your heart. Continue to be a student of the word all the days of your life. Yeah? And that is when the truth will set us free. When we continue to read the word. Thirdly, check for the signs of deception. Those five signs I spoke about. Fourth, ask for the gift of discernment. The gift, God has given us a gift. The Holy Spirit has given us, if you ask, he will give us the gift of discernment. Yeah. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. God has given us that gift. If you ask the Lord for discernment, he will give you. And I think everyone needs discernment more and more these days. When you enter a prayer meeting, when the word spoken doesn't seem to align with the word, you will have alarm signals saying, no, this isn't right, this isn't right. You will know because the gift is there. Ask the Lord. And you don't have to go and speak and sing, but you can just guard yourself from deception. Yeah? So we need to ask for the gift of discernment. Fifth, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look on the evil. Don't look at the world. Don't look only on leaders. Leaders are there to help you. But keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he is worthy. He is worthy to be followed all our life. And finally, pray in the Spirit. In Jude, Jude is a letter also written about deception. The whole letter, uh, you know, he's writing, don't encourage such deception in the church. But finally, Jude comes with a solution in verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. What a security. Pray in the Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God. Yeah? And he ends so beautifully. He says in verses 24 and 25, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. He is able to keep us 
He is willing to keep us at church. I pray that all of us will will guard ourselves from every type of deception in the days to come. And I'm I'm clearing myself. I told you. I was thinking, Lord, will this message will people receive it? But the Lord said, "No, you speak this. This is the truth." So I'm telling you, even those who are watching online, guard yourself from every type of deceit. Continually walk in God's ways. Fix your eyes on Jesus. and god will take us till the end the lord will carry us through amen let's pray hallelujah i just thank you lord for what you've spoken to us and you're telling us even that day you told the disciples guard yourselves from deceit lord today i'm telling what you said to my family don't be deceived don't be deceived soften your heart to the lord If there are areas of sin that you're struggling with, the Lord is saying, "I will help you. I will help to break those bondages. I love you." If you have a or if you're offended with the Lord right now, the Lord is saying, "I have loved you. I've never left you. I was there with you in your pain." And the Lord is saying, "Come back to me. Don't be deceived. I am for you. And if I'm for you, no one can take you out." And I just pray over everyone here. I pray that we will live as if we you're coming soon we'll be the brides the virgins with the oil not without the oil lord as a church that we will be prepared and we will walk in your truth and that truth will set us free thank you lord ask all this in jesus precious name amen amen thank you thank you for listening to this sermon for more sermons please do visit us at wicc.in 